Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're doing well, wherever you are. I am talking to the lovely Rosamond Dean today. She's got a brand new book called Reconstruction. And it's all about her experience with breast cancer. Now, in this conversation, we talk about a lot of different things from Rosamond's experience getting diagnosed at the age of 40. We talk about the anxiety around that and how it can affect you mentally and physically. We also talk about what the process of writing the book was like for her. And we talk about the things that helped her, both the physical practices and psychological processes and practices that helped her through that experience. We also get into the terminology and the the ways that cancer is often described and how that can be quite unhelpful sometimes. And we dig into the topic of asking for help and you know how to to ask for help when you're when you're experiencing cancer. Now, this episode will be brilliant for anyone who may be going through breast cancer themselves or any type of cancer indeed, or for someone that may be supporting someone with cancer, or maybe just wanting to educate yourself around this topic more, seeing as it is such a, you know, it's something that affects so many people. Now, as always, I'd love to invite you to find me on the internet, on my home on the internet at karmau.com. The address is karma hyphen, a little dash in the middle, uyou.com. And you can find there free resources, like a free workbook for anxiety. I'm often running free workshops. So you'll find out about that. That'll be on my homepage if I'm running something soon. And all the podcasts and those of blog posts are there as well for you. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, I'd love to see you there. Let me know if you're listening. Let me know where you're listening. I'd love to hear where people are tuning in. Are you driving? Are you walking? You know, your baby in the pram. Let me know what you're up to. Come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Chloe Brotheridge. So we're going to get into the interview with Rosamond Dean. I hope you like it. So welcome, Rosamond. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat to you today. Yay, me too. This is my first podcast in a while. I went off on maternity leave and I'm recording this with you today and I'm a bit, I'm slightly nervous and I'm hoping, you know, the text are going to work. But um, yeah, I, I loved reading your book. You've got this new book out called Reconstruction. Could you just share about how, a bit about your history, I suppose, and how you came to, to then write this book? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
side note, welcome back from maternity leave. I know, I know it is. It's a very kind of discombobulating time. It's like I've forgotten how to type. I've forgotten how to <laughs> do an email. Yes, you're back. you're back. So yes, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer in January 2021. So just over two years ago now, and I'm a journalist. I started writing a column about my experience in the Sunday Times style. And off the back of that, I just had so many messages, emails, uh, DMs on social media from people kind of saying, thank you so much for sharing your experience because it's really made me feel like I'm not alone because I think there are so many elements of cancer treatment that people don't necessarily talk about or that you wouldn't know about until you're in the thick of it experiencing it yourself because why would you learn about that stuff until you're kind of you know going through it so that column ran for a year and then at the end of that I started writing the book so the book is really kind of pulling together all the information that I wish I'd known throughout cancer treatment so I had um, my, my diagnosis was quite aggressive. It was stage three, grade three, triple negative breast cancer. And it was multifocal, which means there's two separate tumors in the breast and it was in the lymph nodes as well. So I basically had the works in terms of treatment. I had five months of chemotherapy followed by a mastectomy surgery was full auxiliary lymph node clearance. So that's taken out all of the lymph nodes under the right arm. I had radiotherapy and then I had some further oral chemotherapy after that, which is when it's given after surgery, that's to reduce the risk of recurrence. So yeah, I kind of I went through the whole lot. And my and my editor, who I worked on the book with, had had breast cancer as well. And she had a totally different type of breast cancer, hormone receptor positive. So it was amazing to work really closely with her and the book to make sure we were kind of addressing what's important to everybody with breast cancer. For that reason, it was also important for me to speak to lots of different people with different experiences for the book so we can cover everyone's experience. So it's it's everything that you need to know for treatment and then also how to kind of put your life back together again afterwards because you you kind of think when you get to the end of cancer treatment, you will be delighted and relieved and like, yay, I can get on with my life now. And actually, you're you're left kind of shaken and a bit like I don't know I don't know who I am anymore. I've, it it yeah you know, it, it changes your whole identity. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I can really imagine this book being so helpful not only for people who are going through breast cancer themselves, but also people supporting them. Or you know, I know, I know you talk in the beginning of the book about some of the stats around breast cancer and just how common it is. Is it one in yeah. seven? Yeah, yeah, women will experience it. Yeah, one in seven uh, women will experience breast cancer. It's the most, I was going to say popular, it's a weird word. It's it's the most common kind of cancer in the UK and in America as well, I think. So yeah, it's about 57,000 new breast cancer cases in the UK every year. So that's, I think it's over 150 a day. So it works out about one every 10 minutes. It's It's crazy. So, and the numbers are going up as well, particularly mm-hmm. for younger women. Although the good news is survival rates are also improving all the time. So new treatments are coming out all the time. Treatments are improving. Diagnosis is improving. It's it's getting better and better in terms of survival, 
which is amazing news. But but it does mean that there are a lot of us out there who have been through this and are kind of looking for guidance, how to live well afterwards. Mm. And and I was curious about what it was like for you to write this book. Was it like, was it triggering? Was it cathartic? Like, what was that process like? It was definitely triggering. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There were, there were definitely some points where I thought, or my husband would say, why have you done this? Is, mm. is there a way you can not, not do this now? And I was like, well, I think that ship has sailed. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm doing this now. Yeah. Um, but it, it, so when I was in, in the middle of writing it, I mean, that makes it sound like it's a difficult book to read. It's not, it's not a bleak account of depressing breast cancer story it's very you know the it's it's useful and practical and warm and reassuring and I hope it will make you feel better after reading it rather than worse but for me I guess it was just you know for instance writing the chapter about chemotherapy I was really having to go back into that place of remembering how I felt during chemo and the things that helped me and just just how it felt to have lost my hair and you know not just from your head but also your eyelashes and eyebrows and there's so many weird chemo things that you don't know about until they happen like your skin mm. is really sensitive you have to do these injections in between cycles of chemo to kind of boost your neutrophils your white blood cells so that you're kind of healthy enough for chemo there were just so many things about it i'd almost kind of blocked out and then mm-hmm. when I started mm-hmm. writing it it kind of came back so it was it was definitely hard to relive all of that stuff but I think it was cathartic because it, it helped afterwards I was so glad I'd done it I felt a lot better mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah so worth it for all the people that are going to be you know benefiting from this from this book and I hope so yeah yeah I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the the anxiety and the, I guess, the fear. You know, this podcast is, you know, quite centered around, you know, people with anxiety. And I think, you know, not only do people maybe fear getting cancer, but obviously there's obviously so much fear that surrounds, you know, the scan, the scan. We hear about scan, scanxiety and yeah. um, reoccurrence and that sort of thing. Could you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was something that really, was a bit of a shock for me because I, when I was first diagnosed, I was definitely scared of cancer and I was dreading the treatment and I knew how brutal it would be. But funnily enough, I didn't really, well, I didn't think about dying at all at that point. I, I thought breast cancer, yeah, you know, this is something that's totally survivable. I knew the survival rates were high. I've worked in women's magazines for years. I've worked on so many features about breast cancer. I know I I just, I thought of it as something that was very, very survivable. And it was only really, well, I, I think first of all, one of the things that made it, that, that changed the way that I thought about it was while I was going through treatment, there were several high profile cases of women dying from secondary breast cancer. And it, it, it kind of dawned on me how badly this could go, how it could turn out. And then I learned more about my particular diagnosis. Triple negative breast cancer has traditionally 
had a much worse prognosis and much worse outcome and much higher risk of recurrence than other types of breast cancer. So I learned more about that, which is quite scary. And then when, after I'd finished all of my treatment, I really thought there would be a point where the oncologist or the surgeon would say to me, right, that's it now. You've got the all clear. You're free to go. You're cancer free. Your life can carry on as normal. And there is no point where that happens. There's, there's no such thing as the all clear. They, they kind of say, see you in three months. And you, you keep, I still have to go back every three months for appointments. And I'm not sure how long that goes on for, but I, I, I know that when I left hospital after the appointment where I thought I would kind of be signed off from the whole cancer world, I just felt like this sense of dread that it could come back. And there, there was no, the, no doctor will ever say to you, you've got the all clear or you're cancer free because they, they just don't know. There's no way of knowing unless you had an MRI yesterday. And even mm. then, a tumor has to be a certain size to be seen on an MRI anyway. There's kind of, you can easily work yourself up into overthinking every kind of lump or bump or ache or pain or twinge. So just to explain, if the cancer, if my cancer does recur, it won't be in the other breast as a lump, which is how I discovered the initial cancer as a breast lump. Mm -hmm. It will be elsewhere in my body. So it will have spread and become secondary breast cancer, which is the one that you die from. And they said the places that it's most likely to spread and recur in are lungs, liver, bones, and brain. So I've, I've, I remember I said to the surgeon, so what kind of thing should I be looking out for? Like, what are the signs of recurrence? And she was like, well, you know, if it's in your bones, then it could be back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain. There are some lymph nodes there. If it's in your brain, it's just like headaches. In your lungs, it could be a cough. Uh, in your liver, there's like, there aren't really so many symptoms of that. Maybe fatigue. I was like, what? You just, mm. you just listed a bunch of things that I, and probably a lot of people, feel every day. Like, oh, a bit of back pain. Oh, I've got a headache. Oh, I'm a bit tired. Right. So yeah. It's the symptoms that I'm meant to be looking out for that could mean that I'm going to die soon are just things that everybody feels every day. And also they're things that are exacerbated by anxiety. So, you know, if you have pain in your back or shoulder and you start dwelling on it and being like, oh God, my shoulder hurts, could that be cancer recurrence? If it is, you know, how do I, how do I tell the kids? How do I, well, like you can really work yourself up into a yeah. frenzy as I have done several times. Yeah, that has been the hardest thing by far, I would say coping with that has been harder than the cancer treatment, harder than the initial diagnosis. That realization when treatment was over, that it was kind of not over. There was always going to be this chance that it could come back. That was that took a lot of processing and a, a lot of getting my head around. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess obviously it's a physical like illness. And yet the mental side of it, you know is yeah sounds like what you're saying like the harder part of it the kind of the, the anxiety and fear around it um, yeah and yeah. I, should, I should say at this point actually that every case of breast cancer is different and every diagnosis 
has different risk factors. And with some breast cancers, you can have you can have successful treatment for a primary breast cancer and the chance of it coming back is extremely low. They they have this, the NHS use this tool online where you can put in your diagnosis and the treatment you had and it gives you your kind of it's quite it's it's quite brutal. They give you your percentage chance of death in the next five years, the next ten years, the next fifteen years. With lots of breast cancers, it's really, really low. And nobody has a hundred percent chance of surviving the next five years anyway, because you might be hit by a bus. So yeah, for a lot of people, the chance of recurrence is very low. I think because in my case, it was triple negative. I didn't have a complete response to chemo, which means that there was still there was still some cancer present when they did surgery after the five months of chemo. So that increases my risk as well. So the surgeon told me my risk was about 40% chance of recurrence, which is quite high, but it's not that high for most people. So mm, just want to yeah. uh, say that word of reassurance. That's, yeah, good. To, that's interesting to know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, was, I guess I was wondering about like, what were the things that helped you? And I know in the book, you outline different kind of he- like health strategies, whether that's, you know, with the aim of reducing the risk of recurrence, or I think you call it, I don't know if you call it complementary therapies or in- integrative therapies that go alongside the sort of treatments that are maybe designed to help you with the anxiety around it. And what, what were the things that you found helpful that you did during that process? So one of the things that really helped me is, so if you have any new ache or pain that you fear could be a sign of recurrence, they, they, the official advice is not to worry about it until it's been persisting for at least two weeks. After that, only after that point should you go and get it checked out. So what I do now, if I get a headache or a pain in my back or my shoulder, or if I have any kind of symptom that I think could be recurrence, then I set a reminder in my phone for two weeks and just the act of writing it down doing a reminder that I know is going to ping on that day, it just kind of tells my brain that I don't need to think about it again until that day that the reminder pings. That's such a good one. It almost, I I think giving your brain permission to forget about it just makes it go away most Mm -hmm. of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And if, you know, if if when that reminder pings, it still hurts, then you can go and get it. it. It will still almost definitely be nothing. But then you can go and get it checked out and you can say to your doctor, I've been having this symptom for two weeks and you will know it's been exactly two weeks. Because before I decided to start doing that, I would get pain in my shoulder. I, I would obsess over it. I'd wake up in the morning and be like, is it still hurting? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, how long has it been now? I'm not sure. Mm. And it just kind of knocks that whole spiral on the head. This episode is sponsored by the Hypnotherapy Collection. So you might have heard me talk about how I first discovered hypnotherapy about 12 years ago now and how it was the one thing that could cut through my anxiety and low self-esteem and actually create a shift. For you, you might have read the self-help books, been to the workshops, had the therapy, but nothing seems to stick. Or you try out that new meditation, routine or mindset technique And it seems to work for a bit, but you soon find yourself frustrated and back at square one. If change feels hard, I want you to know that it's not your fault. When you realise that 95% of your thoughts, feelings and habits 
come from your unconscious programming, it all starts to make sense. So if you're struggling with things like never feeling good enough, being unable to switch off, relax and enjoy the moment, if you struggle with setting boundaries, with burnout or with your confidence, I have just the thing for you. Enter the hypnotherapy collection. Hypnotherapy allows us to address things at that deep, unconscious level so that we can make shifts. And by the way, if you haven't tried hypnotherapy before, it's basically one of the most relaxing things you can do, kind of like a massage or a holiday for your brain, where you lie down in your bed or your sofa, close your eyes and let the hypnotherapy do the work for you. What could be better than that? In the hypnotherapy collection, you'll get 12 of my most powerful hypnotherapy sessions that help you with things like letting go of the things that you want to let go of, increasing your self-love and self-worth, sleeping better and more deeply, boosting your energy and motivation, feeling more positive, healing shame, and healing the inner child, plus loads more. And you also get some bonuses. I've popped in there for bonus affirmation recordings to help you to change your self-talk, feel more positive, improve your confidence and reduce your anxiety. These recordings are the perfect thing to listen to after work, to switch off from the day, before bed to help you to sleep better, first thing in the morning to set yourself up for the day, or if you wake up in the night, they're a brilliant thing to listen to then as well. When you download them, you get to keep them forever and return to them whenever you need to. So you can head over to my website, karma hyphen you.com forward slash collection to grab them now and start feeling better from the first listen and use the code podcast at checkout to save 20%. That's podcast all in capital letters to save 20%. Head over to karma hyphen you.com forward slash collection. Yeah, I love that. And it reminds it kind of it's similar to something that I do, obviously not in the same circumstances, but generally I kind of document things. So if like the baby's sleeping, waking up more. If I write it down, I know that it's written down and then I know the dates and I can see, hang on, this only lasted for three days. Or like if something's happening with my cycle where I'm feeling more moody, I, I document it and write it down. And then you can kind of have a yeah. record of how things change and how they disappear and how to get better. And yeah, I love the idea of just kind of getting it out and then you don't have to think about it. You kind of set in that system to, re- to sort of check in with yourself after a couple of weeks and see how you're doing. Yeah, Um, exactly. Exactly. And if you do go and see a doctor about something, they will always say, how long have you been having this for? And so it's, I think it's really good to write things like that down. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you do that is helpful or have done? So another thing that really helps, I I spoke to a, a breathwork expert for the book and one of the things he said you can do if you're having kind of spiraling thoughts and you're First of all, you have to become aware of them because often your thoughts can spiral and you don't even realize it's happening. You're just working yourself up into a frenzy and you can't even see it. So you have to kind of take the time to acknowledge your thoughts. And then if you wake up at 3 a.m. having a panic that you've got breast cancer recurrence somewhere in your body and and you're going to die and what are your kids going to do? And that that's I feel like it. those thoughts can just really, really escalate. It's just a case of taking a pause, taking a moment, focusing on your breathing, and then sort of saying to yourself, aside from my thoughts, am I okay right now? And the answer is almost always yes. Like in the here and now, you're fine. 
it's kind of remembering to take that time to kind of calm your mind and just check in with yourself how you are right now. And actually, aside from your spiraling thoughts, you're fine. Mm, that's really powerful, I think, because so much of anxiety is about things in the future that, that could happen or might happen or a fear might happen. Yeah. And actually just coming back to the breath, going back to the here and now and recognizing like right now you're okay. It's such a, it's very grounding, I think, to do that. And yeah, I can definitely imagine, yeah, when your thoughts are spiraling, just to come back to that being really useful. Yeah. And that's really helped me as well with just kind of after cancer treatment, having having always like flashbacks to to the grimmest moments. And for me, one of the most difficult bits was surgery because it was during the COVID pandemic. So I wasn't allowed to have any any visitors in the hospital. You know, my, mm-hmm. my husband, my kids, I couldn't see them. And I was in hospital for a week because it was quite major surgery because I had a type of surgery called Dieppe flap reconstruction where this is quite amazing where they take flesh from your tummy and use it and move up to your chest to kind of build your breast out of your own flesh so you don't have to have nice. an so you can have your breast reconstructed without having yeah. to have an implant but it's it's so incredible what they can do and I mm. feel very you know very lucky and grateful to have been able to have life-saving treatment and amazing cutting-edge surgery and we're so lucky with the NHS it's, I definitely don't want to sound ungrateful it is amazing but that was a bleak week in hospital mm. it was just very very grim you know the operation was 10 hours I had all these awful hallucinations when I came around afterwards I had like a cannula in my hand one in my foot like drains hanging out of my body mm. it was just it was so bleak and i and after that experience, I did get flashbacks and bad dreams and I kept kind of going back there in my mind. So just really, really simple things like focusing on your breathing and reminding yourself that right now you're okay just makes such a big difference. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, what, one thing you talk about in the book, and it's about the language around cancer and the kind of the you know it's a battle or you know people are being really brave I know I think you know Toral Shah as well she's a friend of mine and she you know says don't don't say that people are brave because they're not choosing to be brave no one you know not doing it on purpose they have to be brave so it's not like you shouldn't say that about people but are there yeah could you say a bit about the, the kind of the language and how if there's a better way to think about it than it being like a battle for example yeah yeah I mean, I do feel like there are so many things that people say that can inadvertently make you feel worse. Mm. And it's obviously people are just trying to help and they don't always know what to say and they're, they're trying to make you feel better. I'm sure in the past I have also said things to people that were not the appropriate thing at, at the appropriate time. And um, yeah, I, I definitely don't blame anyone for doing that. but. You're right. The language around cancer can be a bit, if somebody tells you you're brave, first of all, it doesn't feel like you're brave when you're certainly not choosing to be going through that. And also when you just don't feel brave, when you feel like, I'd definitely rather not be doing this. Mm-hmm. But then you have that, you, you kind of have 
on top of feeling scared. No, sorry, I'm crying. Yeah. Yeah. On top of feeling scared, the idea that people think you're being brave. So you kind of have to almost put on an act of, of being brave. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Have a pause. Sorry, just have a break no. if you need. Yeah. Like a, it's like therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose the other one is stay positive because it's true. It's, it's good to stay positive. It's, it's not bad advice. It's good to go into cancer treatment with a positive attitude and think, you know, I'm getting the best treatment. I'm going to be cured. You know, go into, go into that with a really positive attitude will can only help you. But then if, if someone says to you, stay positive, then it can make you feel kind of like a failure if you don't feel positive or even, you know, if, if you, if you, if you're feeling, if you have those moments when you feel negative or even just don't feel 100% positive all the time, which is obviously not going to be the case during cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think people, people feel like they're trying to make you feel better or they're trying to be supportive and that's really nice. But yeah, sometimes it can feel like, oh, I'm not brave that I'm not being positive. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another thing I, I think. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You talk about in the book is the kind of Oh, you've got to make the most of every day now. You've got to make the most of every moment. And that's like such a lot of pressure, isn't it? It's like, yeah. if you're not making the most of it, it's, yeah, it's a huge <laughs> amount of pressure. People saying that or, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely, I can, I could kind of experience that from both sides because I think I do, I think since cancer treatment, I do have, I'm more capable of appreciating small the small things, you know, people always say the small things are the big things and, you know, it's the little things in life that mean the most. And mm. it's it's kind of a cliche and it's kind of, you know, but like 
I think I've always been a bit like, what does that mean, really? But and now I do feel a bit more like I, you know, I nearly I had a disease that could have killed me were it not for the medical advances that saved my life. And because of that, I can be on this school run with my kids, or I can, you know, be drinking this coffee or whatever. So you can. Mm. I feel like I. I am more capable of appreciating small things now, but at the same time, doesn't mean that you appreciate every moment of your life. There is still, you know, you still get out of bed and stub your toe or um, get a speeding <laughs> ticket or, yeah, you know, yeah. get, you know, get stressed out about a deadline or get annoyed with the kids or whatever it is. You, I feel like if you try and live your life appreciating every moment, that is just a recipe for setting yourself up for failure because nobody can yeah definitely I know that a lot of people listening to this podcast or people with anxiety or people that struggle with you know things like people pleasing find it really hard to ask for help Mm -hmm. and I wondered about you know obviously when you're going through treatment for cancer you're probably going to need help at certain times yeah like did you ever find it hard to ask for, for help or did you have any suggestions on, you know, for people that find it difficult to ask for help and how to how to approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard. I and mean, it like a lot of people, like a lot of women, I've I was I was very used to always doing everything for myself and never asking for help and being proud of being kind of independent and in control of everything. But I think I was very lucky to have Jonathan, my husband. He he just. Also, this was during the COVID pandemic. Schools were closed. He was homeschooling both of our kids wow. while, I, yeah. while I was like, you know, crying on the sofa about my hair falling out. Like he really, he really bore the brunt of a lot of what was going on then. And also, he he set up separate WhatsApp groups that I wasn't in with local friends. At the time, I was a bit like, oh, this all seems to be going like clockwork. But I, I didn't know there were like all these conversations going on about Aww. who was, who was going to take the kids on which day so that he could drive me to chemo and take and bring me back again. And, and yeah, like friends, local friends were amazing without, I didn't have to ask anyone for help. They, you know, people would like leave meals on the doorstep or one gift that's a really good gift for somebody going through cancer treatment is a voucher for one of those like healthy ready meal companies like mm. you know a cook voucher or there there are other other companies do exist that do that as well but yeah that it was amazing when people sent things like that because it just meant dinner was sorted and there were there were lots of ways in which people helped me out without me having to ask which was very nice um, <laughs> i think yeah i was i was very lucky in that regard to have a lot of support and it was just it was kind of just giving into it i guess I do. I definitely had times where I would say to Jonathan, "Oh, I'm so sorry. You're doing everything, and this like must be really hard for you." And he was, he would always be like, first of all, you're the one that's got cancer, so <laughs> however hard it is for me, it's worse for you." And secondly, you'll probably be doing this for me one day. Let's face it. So, um, yeah, he was very, very pragmatic about it all. Yeah, yeah. He sounds like a good one. He sounds like a good one. <laughs> Yeah. What do you wish more people knew about about breast cancer? I guess that it's not one disease. It's it's lots of different diseases. I didn't know that there were different types of breast cancer. When the surgeon 
first said to me, your tumor is triple negative. And I, I was like, what is that? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And he was like, well, it's not really, it's not really a good or a bad thing. It's just a type of breast cancer. So obviously I went home and Googled it and I saw that traditionally, at least it has been a very bad thing. I kind of, I think I wish I'd known more about how treatments have developed over the years because triple negative breast cancer diagnosis now is not what it was 10 years ago. It's not even what it was two years ago. When I was diagnosed, I didn't get immunotherapy because at that at that time it wasn't yet available in the NHS and now it is. So, and this immunotherapy drug that just got approved on the NHS last year reduces your risk of recurrence by 40%. Massive. Mm-hmm. So, right. so anyone listening to this who has heard me banging on about triple negative breast cancer and how scary it is, it's much, much better now, even in that time since I was diagnosed. So the, things are improving all the time, but it is a much more complicated picture than I initially thought when I thought breast cancer was breast cancer. So people with hormone receptor positive breast cancer will often be given a hormone treatment for 10 years after their initial cancer treatment of chemotherapy or and or surgery. So I I don't have to have that because my cancer was not hormone receptor positive, but in in some ways that's great because it's massively reducing their risk of recurrence, but in other ways that comes with its own side effects and difficulties and th- there's just so much that I didn't know before before my diagnosis. So last question for you would be around the kind of the confidence aspect of things, because mm. obviously it's like a big, as you said, like an identity change, a traumatic kind of experience to go through. Yeah. And, you know, of course, that, that can have an impact on people's confidence, body changing. What, what would you say to someone who's, you know, maybe coming out the other side of, of breast cancer and is struggling with their confidence? Uh, well, first of all, I'd say it's totally understandable to be struggling it's completely normal i really struggled as well and i think one one of the things that happens at the end of treatment for breast cancer if you're premenopausal at diagnosis then breast cancer treatment will almost always make you postmenopausal if you're if you have the hormone receptor positive breast cancer then the hormone treatment will stop your periods in my case it was chemotherapy that stopped my periods so you have the menopause on top of everything else that comes with cancer treatment mm. and and all the, you know, like fear and anxiety and loss of confidence and brain fog and all the things that come with menopause that you, you and you can't have HRT to help. Well, it's not recommended. I know some people choose to have HRT anyway because the side effects can be so brutal, the symptoms, I mean, of menopause, but mm. it's not recommended. even. Even for someone like me, whose cancer was not hormone receptor positive, they still don't recommend HRT in case if it comes, it could be the other type. So you're dealing with that on top of having been through this thing that has completely changed your appearance. So after chemo, lots of people put on a lot of weight as well during chemo, which is not a thing that's often talked about. I think people perceive chemo as something that kind of makes you lose weight. But now the anti-sickness drugs are so good and they give you steroids as well, which just make you hungry all the time. Mm. (laughs) 
So you and you kind of go sort of puffy as well. You just don't look anything like yourself. And then the surgery obviously has a massive effect on your on your body. If you have whether you have one mastectomy or a or a double mastectomy, it's just it's 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 a huge change. I definitely felt a lot less body confident after breast cancer. So it's like a culmination of all those things, kind of coming face to face with your own mortality, having taking away the aspects that kind of define your femininity in a way, you know, your hair, your fertility, your your breasts, like it's mm-hmm. it, it's just a lot. And you kind of emerge from the other side, menopausal, and thinking, who even am I now? I can't, I feel like I've lost myself. And so that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book, because it is kind of it's partly a guide for getting through treatment, but it's partly a guide for putting yourself back together again afterwards and kind of coming to terms with with what you've been through. And it's also the loss of identity that comes with it. You you kind of have to let go of the old you. I think lots of people talk about wanting to get the old them back after breast cancer treatment, but you kind of can't. You sort of have to <laughs> let go of that person and you you almost have to go through a grieving process that you know saying goodbye to that person and then you sort of start from ground zero to build yourself back up after breast cancer and it can be a really amazing opportunity to to say to yourself right what are my values what's important to me what do i want to spend my time doing what do I not want to spend my time doing? Like, who are the people that I want in my life and the people that I don't? You can actually build a life that is more authentic and more true to yourself. And you might find that you like yourself better afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I love that you have a section in the book where you're you know, guiding people through that process of thinking about what's important and and values and that sort of thing it's yeah some great questions and things to consider there and yeah I guess sometimes yeah when something really shakes us up in life it is that opportunity to reassess things and think about what's really important and what we want to let go of yeah and I just think as well like such a huge part of like anxiety or loss of confidence and obviously experience of having cancer that a really hard part of it is feeling like you're alone and just yeah. what you're writing about in the book and sharing, you know, the ins and outs and the details and the emotions and the things that we don't maybe normally see from, you know, seeing someone, you know, a celebrity that we read about who had breast cancer or something, actually being able to see that behind the scenes. Yeah, I can just imagine that that would be very kind of validating and supportive for, you know, whoever's going through that. Yeah, I, I did. One of the things that I found hardest after treatment when I was dealing with this fear of recurrence is the feeling of like, what's wrong with me? I've I've survived cancer. Now I should now I should be happy. Why am I why am I finding it so hard now? And it was through talking to other women who've had breast cancer and sharing experiences that I realized I'm far from alone. It's really, really common that people mm-hmm. can struggle more after treatment and find it really difficult to talk to those closest to them because you know your friends and family love you and it's really hard for them to see you go through cancer treatment so obviously they want you to be better so that they can feel they they can feel better 
you know, they don't, if, if they see that you've been through it all and you've survived it and now you're not happy, they, they're kind of like, what? Like, what's going on? They, they, they mm-hmm. don't, it's, of course, of course they can't understand. It's very difficult for them to understand. So that's why it's really good to have a community of, of people or even just one other person you know that's been through it as well that you yeah. can talk to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for everything you've, you've shared. Can you tell us where you know, people can find out about you and buy your book and all that sort of thing? Oh, so the book is Reconstruction, How to Rebuild Your Body, Mind and Life After a Breast Cancer Diagnosis. It's available all good bookshops. I'm on Instagram at Rosamond Dean. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chloe. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. 